0: This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I want to apologize, but I don't. (laughs) Um, Just God hasn't like turned my my faucet off. It's like five going up five hours now. And I don't even know if my tear ducts have any more tears anymore. And I'm just so overwhelmed by God in a good way. Like, I know he's real, but he became so real today at two o'clock. And and I I, want to read what what I was reading. And I want to read what wrecked me with God. Let me just pray. Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, I, I just thank you that you're here and you love us so much. Yeah, that you overwhelm us, that you love us, that your goodness is flowing through here, that you love us so much. You love us so much. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you're the creator of the universe and you don't owe us anything and yet you gave everything. Yeah. Thank you that we just choose to believe that. We just choose to say maybe that's real. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Um, there are so many different ways I wanted to uh, to introduce this and as it, I, I've guessed the only way that I can do it right now is the way that God just spoke to me. So can I just speak to you guys the way God spoke to me? Is that okay? So I was taking a shower and I was like, what's the intro? And he told me this, he was like, "Uh, paint this picture. You're back in school, take a deep breath. You're back in school, either elementary, middle school, high school, college. Kudos to you if you went to college, good job. You're sitting there and you start to look out the big window and it's beautiful out there, it's beautiful weather. And you're just looking out there. It's great. And then a teacher comes and she's like, hey, stop day. Stop daydreaming. And I started thinking, man, what's wrong with daydreaming? (laughs) And I started thinking about uh, what Pastor Abel and Pastor Nate brought in and and how they talked about uh, all things have passed away. Behold. All things are new. And, and what hit me was that the teacher wanted us to behold her <laughs> and to focus and to behold what she had to bring because she thought it was important. So I want you guys to daydream today. Don't behold me, behold God. Yeah. I want you guys that, that if, if you, you, you feel like God's taking you on a vision, on a journey, just don't listen to me. Go with him. Go with what he wants to show you. Turn on that part of your brain again. Turn on that part of your heart again. Allow yourself to dream with him. Am I in good company? Yes. And I started talking to God because I'm like, man, like, thank you for making us new creations, right? That means that God created us. It means we're brand new, something never seen before, an original, a masterpiece. And what I love, that means that everything that could have hurt us, like a teacher saying, you're not worth this or don't do this. That means that it's an actual, when those things come up, it's an invitation for Father God to come and heal us, for Father God to come and restore that, for Father God to come and say, yeah, they said this, you held onto it because you had nothing else to hold onto, but now you have something better to hold onto. And so now there is healing for you and it's available right now. And so as I was getting healed from not being allowed to daydream, (laughs) I started, um, talking to God and I'm like, okay, if dreaming is fine, is, is, okay. What else do you want to tell me? And he was like, dreaming is another version of contemplating. It's another way of being able to, for, for the Holy Spirit to come and paint these pictures on your heart. So you can see a full picture of what he actually wanted to show you. And so he took me to this place and it's, uh, Jeremiah (laughs) and it's in the new King James version. Uh, The the notes for today, we're gonna be in 1 Kings and Jeremiah. I'll give you some fun facts later that the Holy Spirit gave me. But as I was dreaming, I was like, what do you wanna show me? And he showed me Jeremiah, and this is what happened when Jeremiah had a vision. Or in my mind, I started thinking that he was daydreaming with God. And these are the words that God gave him. Are you ready? We're gonna start in verse four. And it's Jeremiah one, verse four, in the New King James version. So beautiful. So as I read this over you, I want you to picture every word. I want you to contemplate every word, every verse directly to you. And if you start to cry, you let it out. You hear me? <laughs> and just for me, I, what was allowed before was anger. Anger was okay. But crying was seen as weakness. And the healing that came afterwards, God said, well, I wept. And my name is Jesus. Jesus. And I don't know about you, but he's, I feel like he's pretty strong. I mean, physically he carried a whole cross. <laughs> he took a beating. He hung on that tree. He defeated Satan. <laughs> he got rid of my sin. He's a manly man. Yeah. That's good. And he wept. <laughs> huh. Anyways, verse four, are you ready? Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, say, God speaks. Verse five, before I formed you, ooh, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Remember, this is between you and God, all right? You encounter him. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And it's okay, if it didn't, if it didn't hit you the first time, we're, this is why we're contemplating, right? This is why we're dreaming. This is why the Holy Spirit's speaking this to you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I want to read the next part, but we we get caught up with our role and our identity and what we think we should be. And we forget these two verses. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that like what we all seek for, to find somebody or people that know us, (laughs) that know us, know us? I mean, how lonely does it feel to be surrounded by people who we think know us, but they don't know us at all? But to know that, who cares? There's a father that knows us. And if he knows us, then he understands us. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That word sanctified is so beautiful. There's so many different definitions, but the one that got me was set apart. <laughs> to be holy, to be made whole, to have no blemish, to be pure. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you guys feel dirty? <laughs> Before you were born, I sanctified you. So who's making you Dirty. Who's making you feel like you're not whole? Because there's a God here that said, before you were born, I sanctified you. I know I was so wrecked. It made God so real. Then we can get into this part. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And that word ordain actually means give. I gave to you to the nations to be this role. I ordain you to be a prophet to the nations. And we can replace that word prophet with anything. Prophet just means God's mouthpiece. And yeah, in the church, yeah, you can fit a prophet role, but really prophet just means God's mouthpiece. That means that God wants to speak through you. Isn't that beautiful? You're a new creation. That means that when you receive Jesus in your life, when you said, God, I give you my heart and I don't know what it looks like and I'm scared because others have mistrusted my heart. They didn't know me and they didn't sanctify me. But I am willing to give you a chance. I'm willing to say yes, because I've heard about the good news. I've heard that you died for me. And once, once you give your heart, once you become a brand new creation, these hit you so hard. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I made you a mouthpiece to the nations. This is so beautiful because this was literally me. Okay, are you guys with me? It's so good. Verse six. Then I said, ah, Lord God, <laughs> behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth. There were so many different ways that that, that was hitting me. And, and, and when I was contemplating with God, because I think that's how we could feel sometimes when we get born again and we're like, but God, I still feel like I'm lacking. I shouldn't be lacking. I'm this brand new creation. Is there something wrong with me? But what, what brings it? I love this. We're, we're going to get there, but, but it says that I had to be honest with God. Ah, Lord God, not ah, Lord Rafa, not ah, Lord myself. Ah, Lord God, behold, I'm being honest with you. I cannot speak for I am a youth. And I love this, verse seven, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth for you shall go to all to whom I send you. Just a little bit of uh, of history there. (laughs) The youth part is very important because in Jewish culture is this, whatever your father was is what you're gonna be. But when you turn 13, you're officially a man. (laughs) Which is so funny. I couldn't even grow a mustache when I was 13, you know, like, and they're saying you're a man. The thing is this, between the age of 13 all the way until you're 30, your dad's like, the whole business is yours. It's all yours, but I'm not going to pay you. Instead, I'm going to father you. And I'm going to teach you. And I'm going to show you how this business runs. And when you turn 30, then you get the whole business And that sounds really good, right? Amen. It sounds really good. I get the whole business. I get all of it. I get all the monies. Hopefully he had a 401k and that thing doubled, you know, and it it started to grow. But imagine that from the time you're 13 to 30, you have to trust your father. You have to trust that he's gonna keep his word. And this is the part that gets me is, you still need people to come and work at your business. And so there's other people that aren't the son, the people that are going to inherit it, and they're getting paid. (laughs) They're getting paid. What happens if we start to compare my role and your role? What starts to happen? What starts to happen when I'm like, well, God ordained me to be this, and I feel like I should be that because that looks better. We start missing out on what the Father can teach us. We're these brand new creations, which means we are adopted. Romans 8 says we are adopted. That's why we get a chance to yell out, Abba, Father, which means intimate father. Which means that now you're part of the family business. But you're still a youth. (laughs) And it's okay to be a youth. And sometimes there's youth seasons and it feels like you did something wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. You're being fathered. And this new creation, he's teaching you something. But but are you willing to trust him? Are you willing to believe before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And it's really cool because Jesus, that's exactly what happened with Jesus. I mean, if you think about him and his spiritual father, when did he start his ministry? When he was 30. So that means since he was a young lad, that's actually what youth says, a wee lad. (laughs) Say a wee lad. lad. With that accent, a wee lad. lad. (laughs) Since he was a wee lad, he knew about his father's business. But he had to wait till he was 30 to go out there and make the biggest impact in the world. Yeah, you're a new creation. And it's okay that God is fathering you. But the power comes when we say, God, I give you permission to father me. I give you permission to show me what this new life looks like. I give you permission to show me how you formed me in the womb. I give you permission to show me how you know me. I give you permission to show me how you sanctified me, how you made me whole. Back to verse six. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse eight, do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Who's delivering you? The Lord, your father, the one that made you a brand new creation. It doesn't say Deliver yourself. (laughs) Verse nine, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. We got to go back. I, I read that way too fast. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. It just hits me like when we get a chance to dream with God, when we allow Him to father us, then we have these beautiful visions with God where He literally changes our whole identity. Where the places where we felt so unequipped, He comes and equips us. I think that's so incredible. Do you guys? Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's a lot of power. (laughs) It's a lot of power. If we take it back to Jeremiah, I love it because Jeremiah was so honest here. I'm sure he had a moment like this where he was just worshiping God. (laughs) He's spending time with God. And then he decided to dream with God. And God came to him and said, this is everything I know about you. And this is what I'm calling you to. And there's something we know when God calls us because it changes our whole identity. And then he tells us to go and do something that feels impossible. (laughs) And if you read the history of Jeremiah, he served tons of kings in the good times and the bad times. But this is the funny part. Every time something bad was going, like a kingdom was getting overthrown, guess who the kings went to and seek counsel to? And it was Jeremiah. But but it didn't start with him. I am the prophet. It started with, but God knew me in the womb and God sanctified me. Okay. Are you guys still here with me? So just close your eyes because I want you guys to get encountered by God too. Step out of your role of whatever your role you think should be and allow God to speak these words over you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And then I ordained you as a mouthpiece to the nations. And it's okay. You're allowed to share with God what you feel is stopping you. Ah, Lord God, I cannot speak for I am a youth. I cannot speak because today I did this or last week I did this. So Lord, what do you say to me? I love this. Are you ready? For I am with you to deliver you. So say, God, deliver me right now. Thank you Jesus. Yeah, thank you Jesus. Thank you, God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All right. Are you guys still good? Are you guys still daydreaming? You're allowed to still daydream. Uh, I'm just really glad you guys are getting touched and I'm not the one crying anymore. <laughs> this is really cool because I, uh, I didn't know this, but the, 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 the picture that God gave me when I started daydreaming with him of, well, what happens when I actually get born again? Like, what what happens when I gave that? People in the church call it the sinner's prayer, right? For me, it wasn't a sinner's prayer. At least I don't think it was. For me, it was, God, I'm at the lowest point of my life. I don't want my life anymore. Do you? Right? That was my prayer. And as soon as I did that, something happened. Like, I was fighting depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, right? I felt like I wasn't enough. But once I gave God my whole heart, I said, here you go, God. What do you want to do with it? For whatever reason, it all lifted off of me. And I think I became a brand new creation in that moment. Right? I think I came face to face with the God that knows me before I was formed in my mother's womb. That means that the the sanctification, that wholeness, he always had that for me. And once I beheld him, once I turned towards him in whatever way, he doesn't care how big or small we turn towards him. He said, here you go, I had this for you. Bam, and transformation happened. You've never seen this Rafa. You've, you guys have probably only seen this Rafa. You already see the old Rafa, my poor wife. Bless her in Jesus' name. But hey, all things are passed away. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I was, I was talking to God and I was like, that's so cool with what happened to Jeremiah. And he told me this. He was like, can I show you what happened in the spirit realm? When, uh, say spirit realm. He's like, this is what happened when you gave me your whole heart. And I said, I'm ready. Take me to the New Testament. And God was like, no, 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 no. I like symbolism. I like painting pictures. Really, he told me I love movies. Let's go to the Old Testament. And I said, you're, you're the king. We do whatever you want to do. You, you said to do what you want to do. And so he took me all the way to 1 Kings. So if you have your Bible, let's go to 1 Kings 1. And stick with me, okay? Remember, the, the, the lens that we're looking through this is, this is what happened when we got born again. This is the picture. This is, this is the painting that God was showing me. This is the movie. This is the clip. This is my vision. This is the dream that he gave me. So I want you to, to really use your, your, your heart here, okay? I want you guys to turn on that creative part of your brain and stick with me, okay? Are you guys good? Yeah. Alright, here we go. I'm gonna throw a little bit of history and then break certain things apart. Uh, I'll follow the Holy Spirit on what he wants to do, whether I tell you what that symbolism was for me uh, or if we just read the whole thing and then come back, okay? So just stay ready. All right, here we go, ready? Verse one, now King David was old, say old. Old advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. Anybody cold tonight? Verse two, therefore his servant said to him, let a young woman, a virgin, be thought out for the Lord King and let her stand before the King and let her care for him and let her lie in her bosom that our Lord, the King may be warm. So they thought for a lovely young woman throughout all the ter- territory of Israel and found Abishag the Shunammite, I might say a lot of words wrong, but you're with me, and brought her to the king. Verse four, the young woman was very lovely. Say very lovely. lovely. And she cared for the king and served him. That's a powerful word, serving. But the king did not know her. Okay, let's stop right there real quick. Because when I first read that, I was like, man, what's all this weird stuff happening? My man's old, why are they doing things like this? So the history behind that is this, right? The reason that uh, King David was actually, he couldn't even keep himself warm. I doubt he can do anything else. Okay. So that's why they brought this young lady, but you got to remember reading this from the context of a King, right? So that means that what they wanted to do was to strengthen the kingdom. So they went and found a princess that then was able to quote unquote, be with the King in order to strengthen that territory. Are you guys, I mean, you guys watch Netflix and all these other kingdom stuff, right? So that's what happened there. The thing is this, um, the the people though, had to believe that there was a king that still had authority. And the only way that the Jews at that time believed that anybody had authority was if they were able to produce offsprings. You guys still with me? Because of the promise that happened in Genesis 1, where God was like, you shall birth in your seed and your womb and his name. He didn't say Jesus, but we know it's going to be Jesus. So then every time a person would get pregnant or had the possibility of pregnant, they thought it was probably gonna be the Messiah, right? So the minute that like your womb closed or it didn't work, people were like, you did something wrong or, right? Did that make sense? Okay, cool. So everybody's like, oh, King David has no power because he can't even produce any more offsprings. But then here comes in this very beautiful woman and their little natural brain starts turning on and they're like, oh, well, if there's a beautiful woman and there's the king, that's still my king. He's still my man. He still has power. His word is still valid. You guys are still good? Okay, good. To me, it took all the creepiness out of it. Verse five, then Adonijah, this is good right here. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggath, exalted himself saying, I will be king. He sounds a little bit like somebody else. Come on, if you read your Bible, you know who I'm talking about. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Verse six, and his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He was also very good looking. His mother had born him after Absalom. Okay, before we keep going there, I love this. I love how they said that he is an orphan. I love how they said that King David did not father him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? Anybody ever feel like God's like, don't do that. And we're like, God, how can you control me? No, no, no. He's saying, hey, you're my son. Yeah. And I'm here to guide you in the right path. Yeah. I'm here to say, hey, hey, the thing that you want to put above me, you probably shouldn't do right now. You guys caught that? And this is the thing too. Legally, Adonijah had all right to take that throne. He was part of the actual pure bloodline of who was supposed to sit on that throne. He was one of the eldest that was supposed to sit on that throne. If you guys watch any of the movies, who's the one that's supposed to take over the throne? It's not the baby. It's the the firstborn or the eldest that's there. But God has something really cool about using unqualified people and naming them kings and queens, naming them sons and daughters, saying, God, I have this iniquity. But he's like, don't say that. I am ordaining you. I'm setting you apart. I'm making you whole. You guys catching what's happening here? Verse 7, then he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, And this is where I start messing up names, okay? So just don't turn your brain off. And with Abathur the priest, and they followed and helped Adonijah. But Zodak the priest, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shima Rai, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. That's very powerful. Underline that part right there. They were not with Adonijah. And it's so funny because you gotta realize the identities that these people had and the roles that they had. Zodak the priest, so underline priest. Benaiah the son of Johida, that person was actually the authority of King David. It was the authority of the king. He was the power, the mighty man, the sword of the king. If you ever read anything about David or if you read the book, Strengthen Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson, he talks about these mighty men and really they're like Green Beret special forces that fight bears and rip them apart with their bare hands. Okay. To me, that sounds like a very powerful person, right? But the authority, the reason that they actually said Benaiah, the son of Jehida, was saying he was the leader of this. He represented the king's sword. He represented the king's power. Are you guys still with me? I love this. Then Nathan, the prophet. Still with me? So there's a priest, there's the king's authority, and then there's a prophet. There's three very powerful things. And you guys are like, oh, what's the point of that? Well, if we look anywhere in the New Testament and you see the word Jesus Christ, guess what Christ means? Guess what the anointing of Christ is? He's the highest priest, the highest prophet, and he has the highest authority from the king. Isn't that Oh man, you know the reason this this moves me? The reason this moves me is cuz how intentional God was yeah. to say, "Hey, hey, I'm this big, but I want to make sure you understand everything I did to win you tonight. I want you to know everything I did that that when you hear my word coming into you, it is intentional as intentional as it was me naming him Jesus Christ." But wait, what happened with the other guy, Adonijah? He had his own group. <laughs> But what lacked? There was power lacking. Why was there no power? How come there was no power with them? Why was there no power with them? Because it wasn't the kings. It wasn't this man that had all the power. So maybe there's times when the enemy comes and it looks good and enticing, but really it's just a perversion. Really, it's the 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 the, the what's that word the the fraud behind it. It looks like the real thing, but it's not. Maybe it looks like an apple. Maybe it looks like you should be like God. You eat this and you'll be like God. Yeah. You guys are still, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, let's go to nine. Oh, I love that part. <laughs> the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Come on. If anything's bringing you down, bringing you a false sense of security, I'll tell you what, Mm. Verse nine, and Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatted cattle by the stone of Zoleth, which is by Enrigal. He also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but he did not invite, ready? Nathan the who? Beniah the mighty man or Solomon his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? Verse 12, Come please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? 14. Then while you were still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. 15. So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old and Abishag the Shumanite was serving the king. I just love that. Serving the king. I don't know that. that I love that. There's something else. about uh, skip it. 16. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. Then the king said, what is your wish? Oh my gosh. How many of you guys bow during worship today? I'm not saying you have to, I'm not saying you have to, but I think there's something when we behold God, then God turns to us and he's like, what is your wish? I don't know, that's so beautiful. And we'll get into Solomon and what he wished for because what he wished for was so incredible. It was something that changes his identity and his character. It's so beautiful. 17, then she said to him, my Lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant saying, assuredly Solomon, your son shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne. 18, so now look, Adonijah has become king And now my Lord, the king, you do not know about it. 19, he has sacrificed oxen and fat and cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the sons of the king. Abither, the priest, Job, the commander of the army, but Solomon, your servant, he has not invited. 20, and as for you, my Lord, our king, the eyes of all Israel are on you. That you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my Lord, the king after 21, otherwise it would happen when my Lord the King rests with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. What were we before we were new creations? 22, and just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. 23, so they told the king, saying, here's Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, my lord, O king, have you said, Adonijah shall reign after me and he shall sit on my throne? 25, for he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fat and cattle and sheep in abundance. And has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abathur the priest. And look, they are eating and drinking before him. And they say, long live King Adonijah. 26. But he has not invited me, me, your servant, nor Zodak the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehida, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my lord the king? And you have not told your servant who should sit on the throne of my Lord, the King after him. Are you guys ready? Are you guys still with me? Does the picture painting? You see it? You see all the drama, all the Netflix? We can make a Netflix show right now. Twenty-eight. Then I love this. Then this is where the power comes from. Nothing happened. They have all these complaints. They have the picture painted, but nothing happens. There's no change. When does the change come? When the King speaks. Come on, baby. Twenty-eight. Right? Was that my baby? Oh yeah, good job. 28, then then King David, say king David. king David. Then King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. I underline that because that's what we get to do. These moments when we behold God, when we turn to God and we're honest with him, but God, I am just a wee little lad that had a hard day today. Then the king answered and says, come to me. And we come into the king's presence and we stand before the king. 29. And the king took an oath and said, I love this. As the Lord lives. How long does the Lord live? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's a good word. (laughs) And as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress. We're going to pause right there. Because that's a good word right there. As the Lord lives who has redeemed my life from every distress. God has redeemed my life from every distress. When we become new creations, when we give our life to God, what does He do? As long as the Lord lives forever, He redeems our life from every distress. And that word distress is anything from major things, like what Pastor Kathy was sharing with her testimony, all the way from the minor inconveniences that are affecting our identity and our character. Yeah, thank you, God. 30, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, assuredly, Solomon, your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. 31, then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, let my Lord King David live forever. And King David said, here we go. Oh my gosh, I love this part. Are you guys ready? Still painting the picture, 32, still daydreaming. And King David said, the word is being spoken. The word is, how do you get faith? When the king speaks to you. And King David said, call to me, Zodak the priest, underline priest, Nathan the prophet, underline prophet, and Benai the son of Jeheda. Just underline all of him, because all of that means he has the authority of the king. So they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servants of your Lord and have Solomon, my son, ride on my own mule and take him down to Gihon. Before we keep going, I'm so happy they finally brought in Solomon. What was Solomon doing? He was waiting. Come on. He was waiting. So good. That's awesome. Pastor Abel, if he had his board right here, he'll probably say quitting (laughs) and falling into the arms of a loving father. Solomon was doing nothing. He had all these people fighting on his behalf. Isn't that beautiful? When you're fathered by the king, you wait for him. You guys still with the picture? Because I'm getting rocked. I was just moved. (laughs) The anointing of Christ, the prophet, the priest, the authority of the king. Mm. And they said, get my little boy, a little donkey, a little mule Mm. going on there. But we're like, God, that don't look like a Corvette or a Mustang. Uh, That don't look like a Mustang. God, I need, I need the stallion. (laughs) And he's like, you need what I call that you need. And it looks like a little mule. And it has more power than any Mustang. 34. There let Zodak the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, long live King Solomon. Ooh, come on, make it personal. 35. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place. For I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah, the son of Jehadiah, answered the king and said, Amen. Oh my gosh. Even in the Old Testament, they said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> may the Lord God of my Lord, the king, say so too. Oh, that's so beautiful. 37, as the Lord has been with, the, with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon. And make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. As the Lord has been with my Lord, the King. I don't know. He sounded a little bit like, I don't want to say Jesus, but Jesus, man. As the Lord has been with the Lord, my King, even so may he be with Solomon. And make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. 38. So Zodak the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benai the son of Jehidah. You you understand that Jewish cultures, they don't just repeat things because it sounds good, it sounds poetic. They repeat things because it's made it's important. Major, points. major, major points. So every time I read that, I can't help now but see the anointing of Christ. The anointing of Christ. Okay. 38. So Zodak the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benai the son of Jehida, the I always messed that one up, the cherries, and the Pelite went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule. Oh, I just really love that. King David's mule. I just think about all the things that we're like, man, that's just a mule. But it comes from the king. Yeah. We find a penny on the floor, and God's like, tithe it. No, it's just a penny, Lord. Come on. Come on. Go give that person a hug. What is the hug gonna do to that person? Go look at that person in the eye. Psh, that person, that person, side-eyed me. Yeah, come on. <laughs> but it's the king. The king's yeah. eye contact. The king's penny. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thirty-nine. Then Zadok the priest took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the horn. And all the people said, long live King Solomon. And all the people went up after him and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy. Oh, this is so beautiful. Are you ready? So that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Man, I wonder what happens when we worship. And I wonder what doesn't happen when we don't worship. Not a condemnation, just an observation. So Good. They rejoice with great joy so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. It's so interesting because all the Adonijah's people, I didn't hear anything about the earth splitting with their sound, but something happens because of the authority of the king and the anointing of Christ. And when all that's there and you are obedient to him, when you allow him to father you, somehow the earth splits with the sound. 41. (laughs) And now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. At least they got to eat. Come on, last meal. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, why is the city in such a noisy uproar? Sounds like the enemy to me. Why? Is something different in that city now? Why when that person gave their life to Jesus? Why when they became a new creation, is it different there? Why is there suddenly more light there? Why is there a mouthpiece there? Why is the earth shaking there? How important do you think you are? And well, if we read Jeremiah again, <laughs> you're very important. 42, while he was still speaking, there came Jonathan, the son of Bethar, the priest. And Adonijah said to him, come in for you are a prominent man and bring good news. I'll tell you what, they scared, say scurred. 43, then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, no, woo, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. Sometimes we just got to tell the devil a good no. Yeah, yeah come on. Sometimes we got to tell the things that are trying to bring us down. Yeah. No. Okay, good. Two of us, two of us. Y'all with me? 44, the king has sent with him Zodak the priest, underlying priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehadiah. Isn't that good? The king sent them. The king. I love how they don't get rid of that part. The king. So no matter how small the word that God gives you, the king is giving you that word. I love that. 45. So Zodak the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king Gihon, and they have gone up from their rejoicing so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. 46, also Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. 47, and moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, may God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king bowed bowed himself on the bed. Oh, 48, also the king said thus, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day while my eyes see it. Oh, man, I just I think about when you get born again, when you get born again, God is saying this. 49. So all the guests who were with Adonijah were afraid and arose and each one went his way. 50. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. These, these horns are very holy. 51. And it was told Solomon saying, indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon, for look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. How come he's so afraid? 52, then Solomon said, if he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth, but if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. Come on. 53. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Mm -hmm. Chapter 2. Now the days of David drew near that he should die. Say, "Oh, Oh man. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go to the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his status his commandments, his judgment, and his testimonies. It is written in the law of Moses that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that that the Lord may fulfill his word, which he spoke concerning me saying, if your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not like a man on the throne of Israel. And I love this. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zara did to me and what he did to the two commandments of the armies of Israel. Stay with me, okay? Because this is very important. So Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. Seven, but show kindness. Say kindness to the sons of Barzilia the Galilee, and let them be among those who eat at your table. Woo, come on, okay, okay. We're going to pause right there, say 16. Okay, you guys okay? This is so beautiful because I don't even know where to, where to, (laughs) there's just so much good stuff that happens here. Okay, I love this part, all right? So I'm, I'm still trying to break this down, but this is the picture that happened, okay? We see Adonijah there, who legally should have been sitting on that throne. Right? Legally, he had a right to sit there. But God of the entire universe said otherwise. He said, I want to pick the fourth descendant, who's half of a descendant. I want him on the throne. And as I was viewing this, I was like, man, that sounds a lot like me. I don't deserve this throne. When I got born again, I didn't do anything right. If anything, I did everything wrong. I destroyed so many things. I've hurt so many people, including myself. I don't deserve to sit on this throne. Legally, I don't. And after reading the Bible, I guess sin had legally been able to sit on that throne, had all right to sit on that throne because somebody decided to give the keys to Satan. Right. And the thing is, whenever you look at the word throne, throne means power. It also means this. It means the person has the first word and a person that has the last word. So whoever sits on that throne has the first word and the the last word. So before you were born again, there was something that legally had right to sit on that throne, and it had the first word and the last word. For me, the thing that sat on that throne was called death. It was called depression. It was called anxiety. It was called suicidal thoughts. But once the king spoke, and the anointing of Christ came, they said that is perversion. And it shouldn't be on that throne. You come and sit on this prayer and on this word, which what God showed me was authenticity. And authenticity doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. It's you tell God what's really going on in your heart. You take off your social mask. You take off the thing that you're trying to use to protect you. And you're honest with him. Just how Jeremiah was honest with God. And that moment was me sitting on that mule and the anointing of Christ brought me to this throne. And later we don't have time, but later it actually says that Solomon executed Adonijah because Adonijah tried to come back and take that pretty girl at the beginning. Because remember the King had authority and people assumed that he slept with her. So that means that whoever married this girl had claim to the throne. And Solomon said if he does something wicked again, if he tries to come and take something that doesn't belong to him, then it's death. And that's what Jesus did with your sins. And every time it tries to come back, the anointing of Christ is there to execute it. Are you guys catching what I'm trying to say? I think I think this is the picture that I'm trying to paint and it's very important. It's when you said your sinner's prayer, when you gave your whole heart to Jesus, it wasn't just these little pretty words. It was the king of the universe moving the anointing of Christ to come and dethrone the thing that had the first and the last word over you. And he put Solomon. And you know what? Everything you read there, Solomon is a prototype for the Messiah the fact that he had wisdom and understanding and great judgment, God was saying, this is what the Messiah is going to look like. So the Messiah now sits on the throne and he has all wisdom. You know what? This is so great. Wisdom can go both ways. Pastor Kathy and I were talking about it. One way is Sophia, which means a broad perspective, which means also a Greek type of way where it's like you get logical thinking, you see the full picture, you understand math, (laughs) It's really good. But the Jewish way, the other way is all about morals. Oh, and I had this conversation with one of my young adult leaders. We were, we were reading Proverbs and it said, take hold of wisdom. And, and we were trying to find out wisdom and, and wisdom was this. Wisdom was this word that I love. It was so good. It meant moral. And I asked her, I was like, what's a, di- what's a moral? Is it the same thing as uh, an ethic? Did I say that right? Ethics? That person has good work ethics. Well, who, who creates, who, who says, who determines whether it's a good or a bad work ethic? Who, 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 who says is, that's a good work ethic or it's a bad work ethic? The world, right? I mean, you show up on time, right? Yeah. You, you, you dress really nice all the time, right? It's an outward appearance. It's, you don't use these words, you use these words. This is okay, this isn't okay, even though it's killing you right? That's, that's an ethic. It's, it's, it's the power comes from the world. A moral is something that defines your identity and your character. It means that even if you're judging me for crying, God has changed my identity and said, crying is a beautiful moral. You weep. Yeah. Are, are you getting with me? So when we tap into wisdom, when we tap in, uh, uh, when we, when we tap into the Messiah, When we tap into Christ, the anointed one, we get his wisdom and we know it's his when it changes our whole identity. No? Yes. 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 Amen. Okay, okay. Last point, and then I have to let you guys go, okay? I love this part right here. It said these people can eat at your table. Oh my gosh. You don't understand. You don't understand. Back in the day, eating at a table wasn't just, I make you some good ribeye and a lot of butter that hopefully clogs up your arteries because it tastes that good. You know what I mean? That's not the kind of dinner table we're talking about. If you're sitting at the dinner table, you're somebody. If you're sitting at the dinner table, then you have all access to the king and all of his provision. So for you to be included at the table is a big deal. When you were born again, when you gave your life to Jesus, when you were a brand new creation, when the old was passed and behold, the new is here, One of the things that you got was an invitation to the table with the king, which means that you have all provision. You have all the king's favor. Do you not get excited about that? I have to end it. There's so much more, but I just need to end with that. And we'll do an exercise with that. Is that okay? Okay. Close your eyes with me. And uh, since since our, our Netflix movie stopped <laughs> at the King's table, I just want you to picture yourself at the King's table, okay? You're brand new. If you're born again, you give your life to Jesus. You said, Jesus, this is the moment that I'm saying yes to you. And now we know in the spirit realm, the, the anointing of Christ came, wiped away the thing that had the first and the last word that was dominating your every thought and your every action. And then Jesus came in and behold, it was something brand new. Come and sit at the table, That's where we are right now. So you're getting ready to sit at that table. And I want you to picture that table as as the way you want to make, whatever way you want it to look like. Uh, I always see Jesus as a carpenter. And I feel like he made that table from scratch. He went out there, cut down a tree in the desert. He probably made the tree come up, cut that tree down just for you. Made it beautiful. Made it sturdy. Made Ikea uh, benches. (laughs) or benches that would make Magnolia sad. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful benches. And he has all this food out there for you. If you feel like you've been lacking, if you feel like you haven't ate in days, spiritually or physically, there's no lack there at that table. And this is my favorite part, okay? I want you to view the king, not as an old man. I want you to view him as a father that is so glad that you said yes to his invitation. He has a big old smile on his face. If you can see it, just shout amen. amen. Come on. And he's there and he's looking at you. He put the chair right next to him, which is a place of honor. And I just want you to picture what is stopping you from taking a seat? Whatever word came to you, what is stopping you from sitting at that table and enjoying from the King's provision? It could be like Jeremiah, I'm just a wee lad, I'm tired. I'm unqualified, I'm unworthy. I did this, I keep doing this. And now as, as once you see that, just, I'm gonna give you a couple more seconds. When you see that thing that's stopping you from sitting down, I want you to be like Solomon. And I want you to let the anointing of Jesus Christ come. The high priest, the prophet and the authority of the king. I want you to let him come into the room. And this is the part where you get a daydream with him. He can either stab that thing with a sword or he can gently take it away. But either way, your position is to be like Solomon. Give you some more time. And whatever that was that had the first and the last say in your life, let him remove that right now in the name of Jesus. Let him remove that right now in the name of the anointed one. And I want you to let the Holy Spirit come and pick you up just how they picked up Solomon and sat you on that king's chair. He sat you on the king's chair on that simple, beautiful, well-intentioned chair, the king's chair. This is the best part. What does he give you in return? What does he put on that plate? What has he written on your hearts in exchange for that lie, for that Adonijah, for that thing that was bringing death to you, that was trying to take the throne? What does he give you in return? What does he write on that plate? Just stay right there because I want you to picture him saying these words over you. Then the word of the Lord came to you saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, do- I ordained you a mouthpiece to the nations. And we're going to skip the rest of that verse that says, "Ah, oh Lord, behold, I cannot because it's gone. And he said, do not be afraid of anything. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched your mouth. And the Lord said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So allow God to plant and build in your life right now as new creations. We just thank you, Jesus, that you're such a good God. You're such a good King. You have so much power and you decide to make tables for us. You decide to dethrone things that are killing us. You decide to dethrone things that should have, should have had right to be there, but you said otherwise. You said otherwise. So that, now it means that doesn't have a right to sit there anymore. And we say no to that. And we say yes to you, King. And I love it. We sit firmly on our chair we sit firmly on that throne. We sit firmly on that chair. Because that's what Solomon did. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And we decide today for you to father us, that as we drive home, we don't try to figure this out by ourselves. We do what Pastor Abel taught us. We quit and we fall into your hands. We turn towards you and we say, mighty king, you did all this. What do I do now? We didn't get a chance to get there, but that's what Solomon ended up doing. But I don't want to mess it up. So, yeah. But if you guys are with me, just say amen. Amen. And then, I don't know, clap to Jesus. He's a good God, right? Yeah. I love you guys. Thanks for listening to my dream. (laughs) I love you guys.